Hi guys, it's producer Matt and I'm in post-production right now. I'm just giving you a little note to say I'm sorry, but my mic was not at, uh, I don't know, the quality was absolutely terrible when we taped this episode. So please stick with us. If you listen to us for the first time, go check out some of the other episodes. This ain't, this ain't how we play that shit, you know. But we still, still have a thoroughly entertaining conversation. And in which case, I'm going to go to co-host Matt. Take it over, buddy. Psst. Psst. Hi. Over here. It's us. Psst. Hi. Yeah. Yeah, it's us again. episode because I have no episode so what we've given you is uh, an anti-bonus episode because it's been a little while I mean Tim just wanted to catch up we thought it'd yeah. be nice to bring you all up to speed and sort of let let you all in on me and Tim just having a nice casual conversation unstructured possibly unedited and, and we'll just see how it goes but first of all before first of all <laughs> first of all Tim Tim hello how are you <laughs> yeah. hello it's so nice to be here on this re-entry episode. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been, you know what, dude? I've been, oh, I've been uh, okay. I would say, you know, fine. We could talk about the the literal fineness of the last like six weeks or so. Well, it's actually probably been longer, right? Well, about six weeks. I would say the last time we taped was late February. So we've had all of March, most of April. And maybe a weekend in March, so I'd say it's probably eight to eight, eight, maybe nine weeks, something like that. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, it's been yeah. a while. Anyway, honestly, like February is probably the warp my least favorite month of the entire year because there's yeah. no holidays. There's it's not spring yet, at least here. Okay, I'm just talking about here in the Rocky Mountains of the U.S. of A. So it's just like dreary and horrible. And I think my like mood honestly kind of like mirrored that. Um, but now that it's spring, now that we're getting back to it, I'm I'm of much better spirits. But uh, how have you been? This is the thing, Tim. Now, what everybody won't realize is we've had seven recorded episodes uh, waiting to be edited for quite some while. Um, as I do the uh, co-hosting and editing and uploading and all that kind of thing, time can be pressured. So. Uh, one of the time restraints was I broke my hand just before Christmas, so I was unable to write or type, which meant that I had five weeks worth of work. Also, um, I've not been taking very good care of myself over the last two or three years during lockdown, um, through the pandemic, and some of the bad habits have been quite hard to shake. So um, being someone that is... Uh, quite vulnerable to addiction depression anxiety and things like that i want to say addiction i don't mean you know just the um contraband and things like that but like just anything whether it's food whether it's cigarettes booze whether it's women or whether it's drugs or anything like that it's i find that it's all or nothing most of the time so i've put on a lot of weight which makes me physically awkward, but also emotionally awkward most of the time. And with all this, I simply haven't had time to really get into the editing stuff. And it's not that I'm making excuses, but I think it's, things like that are quite important to share because I think a lot of people, there's more sympathy for a lot of things during the pandemic and everything's gone back to normal. But yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like emotionally, There'll be a lot of people out there like me that are, are finding this almost more straining because things are back to normal, but you're juggling the emotional set that's a hangover from the pandemic. So yeah, yeah it's been it's been quite rough and some like self-examination and, and 
the sort of, <laughs> in all honesty, I felt like, because this is like a cyclical thing with me, I thought to myself, well, I stopped looking, being able to manage it when it was happening and want and seeing the lights at the end of the tunnel, like, don't worry, this is only ever going to be temporary. I was starting to feel like, well, yeah, it's only temporary, but I'm going to have to feel like this again at some point. And it, and that was just like carried such an emotional weight that no matter how hard I struggled or tried to, to get out of this slump and to make better decisions that sooner or later, I'm just going to have to deal with all this again and feel like it. Mm-hmm. However, doing a lot better now. Um, I, I've started to make positive decisions um, through through the help of somebody that I won't, I, I won't name specifically because it's it's unfair. Not unfair, but like someone's been very um, gracious with the time and, and, and giving me a lot of um, support, advice, and, you know, hard direction when I needed. So I'm feeling a lot, lot better. Uh, I'm getting back on top of my work because I'm clearer in my mind. And also that means that we can start looking at the backlog because we've got some really cool interviews. We've got, we've still got the five Warren Ellis titles that we gave time to that we, that we haven't touched. And I'm really looking forward to getting those uploaded because we've got some really, really cool content that's just been shelved because me personally, I haven't been able to cope day to day, but when you don't feel like you can face the day, it was it's just another responsibility now thankfully Mm -hmm. since it's just me and tim this is one of the things that we said at the very beginning when we when we kicked it off again we're both really busy i'm a structural engineer that runs my business tim's a successful lawyer and sometimes we just simply won't have the time to do the episode or if i don't have time to edit it then that's fine because it's two of us and there's no scheduling and it's not six people to program in and that was mm-hmm. one of the provisos that when we kickstarted the podcast off again, it would be on our terms and it's not going to be a runaway train. And if we don't have time, then we don't do it. And when we do, it's because it's got to be something that we both enjoyed. I'm not saying that I wasn't enjoying it, but because of that decision, I've been able to comfortably put those seven episodes to one side because they're not time sensitive. You know, I'll, I'll start cracking on with that. So you can expect more content coming soon. It also be mentioning that it was recorded in Warren Ellis month, which was January, and the interview month, which was February. <laughs> <laughs> so just ignore, just ignore that ignorant fucker that always thought tomorrow was the day when things were going to get better. But at this minute in time, I feel revitalised, and it might all turn to shit again around the corner, but... Right now, I'm enjoying feeling free. So, with that, now you know where we stand. Yeah. Um, there will be content coming, and me and Tim might do little updates every now and again in between, um, just to you know, so you can hear our voices because we're we're charming, suave, sophisticated individuals. <laughs> and when you put us both together. It's like two magnets, that force in the middle, that little force, that little (laughs) magnetic ball like a Hadouken. That's what we're bringing you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Tim, 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 I've I've missed you. It's just great to see you. It's so great to see you too, buddy. It's been, it's, it has been a long, you know, for the listeners, we do, you know, we, we text all the time, but we don't, I mean, we do talk some, like, sometimes. But we haven't. I haven't. We haven't actually seen each other on screen. You know, to be and, and, and for in all disclosure, we've never actually seen one other in person in our entire no, lives. No, never. It's always mediated through a screen. Uh, but even then, we we haven't really. Uh, I, we haven't really talked like this, and you know, and like you said, like seven, eight, maybe nine weeks. But so yeah. it's really nice. Very. It's it's like being back home, my dude. And for anybody that's a new listener. We're available on all your favorite podcasting locations, Spotify, Apple, whatever, whatever, whatever. We have a Twitter where we post reviews and there is an Instagram where there's curated art from whatever we've been reading. Um, there's also a YouTube channel that uh, does one shots where we chop the podcast up and, you know, put tra- trailers in the background and whatnot. And in the most general sense, it's usually the end underscore pot. So that's the end underscore pot uh so yeah follow us give us a subscription uh comment like share and also with that now on spotify which i think most people listen through you can in actual fact or soundcloud as well actually soundcloud is probably the most uh, populated one but 
you can now leave reviews on on Spotify. So if you can give us a five star review and just say how great we are, it would stop me having to make my mum make new email accounts every second day. (laughs) (laughs) I've not got any notes, I've not got anything written down, but I think probably the biggest the biggest thing that we've not spoken about or what we would usually do an episode on was uh, the Batman. But I, I felt personally that it was simply a good film and that there wasn't much to talk about that hadn't already been talked about apart, you know, there's the mood, there's the interpretation and that it was quite good. I I didn't feel there was much to pick apart on it. I mean, we're weeks behind like all the commentary. I don't have much to add beyond what's already been said. I I thought it was, you know, honestly, to be honest, I I was higher on it initially than I now am. Yeah, me too. Um, And and the only reason I say that is because when I first saw it, I, I liked it. I found it quite ambitious because it's an actual noir like mystery movie, which is quite unusual and kind of true to the character in that in that respect. And, you know, as just as a as a footnote there, I don't typically give a shit whether a movie is true to a character. I mean, a movie is something I don't care whether to what extent it it adheres to the comic character at all, really, typically. Um, But it was interesting to see that because usually the Batman movie, you don't often see like the old detective comics you know, Bruce Wayne slash Batman character. So that was yeah. kind of interesting to see. I thought it was too far too long. I thought I, did. I thought it was far too unnecessary. I thought after the reveal of the Riddler, there's like an extra like it seems like 45 minutes and it may actually be yeah. 45 minutes. I'm not 100% yeah, I think, sure. I think you're right. And, and it's just like I don't I did not see the point of that. It was I, I found myself being like, okay, dude, we've already been here for two and a half hours. Why is there yeah. not why is there, uh, like effectively a fourth act? Why is there a fourth act here? The thing that I found least persuasive about it was it was never mentioned. There was never the, the sort of harem of internet enthusiasts ever really hinted to. The water barrier was never hinted to, never used as a location. It was like Chekhov's void. Yes. And my dad just said to me, and again, as I always say, not a particularly smart man by his own admission, but, but a lovely man by everybody else's. But he just went, well, it's a superhero film. That's how they all end. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I don't need to add anything to that. <laughs> like, yeah. And the fact that you, as somebody that just enjoys the spectacle, identifies yeah. that as something that you expected, that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good response to that. Uh, it's, I guess it's just an aesthetic. Uh, partly it's expectation. Partly it's just aesthetic preference. My preference is not to be sitting there for two and a half hours and then have a yeah. relevant fourth act. But again, that's just a preference. Uh, some people, the more the better. I, uh, the other thing is that we hadn't, I don't think, talked about in our sort of text change, uh, exchanges back when this first came out is, I did like, what's his name? Paul Danny? Is that his name? Paul? Dano, what, you know. Dano, Dano. Dan. I liked him as the Riddler, but I think, I, I do think that the Riddler's character, like however, whoever wrote the character or maybe it's the direction, it's kind of like they just made the Joker and like they just dressed the Joker the Joker up in Riddler costume. That is, you know? that is really accurate, actually. Really accurate. You know? It's like I do think the Batman movies have a Joker problem. That is like every villain is just some version of the Joker. Um, mm. Mm. Any version where any any villain worth their salt, like this one, I think is like the maniacal laugh, like the create like the sort of yeah, like yeah, yeah. the chaos agent, that kind of thing. I don't know. So. Having said that, I liked the I liked the character. Maybe that's because I like the Joker. I don't know, um, yeah. but things that I did I did like about it. I thought that um, for all the hemming and hawing about Robert Pattinson is like we can't have like the Twilight guys, but the Batman. I thought he was an awesome Batman and Bruce. Yeah. Wayne. What I liked was that it was truly a Batman film, and and yeah. Bruce Wayne was the roles were inverted for, the, yep. for screen time almost. Yeah, he's great. Um, he's a great actor in and. and just, the common thread on the what do they call that? Call them like the canonistas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is well, you know, Robert Pattinson's been in um, like Good Time, Good Time. He's been Lost City of Z. Yeah, that's fine, and that is good justification for his acting. But in Twilight, the role that he had to perform within the context and the confines of that. He did a really good job in that. 
You cannot yeah. dispute that he perfectly played Edward Cullen. So I object to the, like I said, the canonistas that, that say, oh no, you've just not seen enough Robert Patterson. No, he was good in that for what he, what he had to do. In the general populace, it doesn't watch too many films. I think it's probably, there was a point to prove and now he's proved it. But I also feel like sometimes people, it's kind of proving their own sophistication that they perceive that people were, oh, I'm not watching that Twilight boy on it. And it's something to say, ah, yes, but, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. Before I forget, the, the other thing I did like about it is I like the relationship between um, the cat, the Catwoman um, character and the Batman character. Yeah. I thought that was yeah, actually yeah. pretty well done. And then the other thing is, the reason I said I, I'm I'm not as high on it as I was when I first saw it is because I I reflected on it. It's like, although I like it and I thought it was ambitious, I do not think I would seek it out again. Like I, this is not a no, movie I that I, I feel like I want to watch. That way. One of the questions that's been asked afterwards as well is how do you make grounded villains in this universe because they're all quite fantastical and my answer to that is well you don't have to i mean of course you're not going to do the the joel schumacher but but there was nothing to say that just because riddler wasn't prancing up and down in a green leotard <laughs> right that, that that wasn't a rep representation a true representation of what the riddler is by persona mm -hmm. so Who's to say that you couldn't have, say, a Bane with the fantastical elements, but just the bloke is not speaking in that ridiculous voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I am riddled with wires, but I am still a man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Though? Like, you yeah. Can... But yeah, that... that... The Dark Knight trilogy like put pay to a whole era of comic book films because Amazing Spider-Man wanted it to be more grounded and gritty. Fantastic Four came back in the same way. And it's kind of like you have to be the best or the first. And Dark mm, Knight yeah. was both. And yeah, what do you think is the high point of like the Batman film? What of, of the Batman? Uh, no, I just what, what do you mean as... character. So even even dating back to like Tim Burton. Uh I, do you know what? I really like Dark Knight Rises, and I think the fourth act, as we, as we called it, for the Batman actually borrows a lot from that, yeah. unintentionally probably. But um, yeah, I really like, I really like Dark Knight Rises. There's not a lot of Batman in it, but I like, I really like Bane. I just think people think it, I know I was taking the piss earlier, but like, it's just so iconic and he's just this absolute brute of a man with this kind of pseudo-intellectual tone and it's like yeah you think darkness was your ally <laughs> <laughs> i was born in the dark you simply adapted to it like everything this is rising of Razagul. i just everything <laughs> he says i just eat it up and that opening scene on the airplane with with uh, Pavel, the doctor, and and the way that they, they rip the wings off and and, they, and he's like, no, they'll expect one of us alive. And then he'll say, he said something like, the fire will burn or something. He goes, yes, the fire will burn. And then <laughs> it just goes, boom, and it just drops. Yeah. That fight sequence with the FBI agents where, where Bane's, the, the sheer size of him that's at the back yeah. of the plane, and then he just drops down three and suddenly, boom, wow. You feel the physical menace of him all the way through. And I didn't know hardly anything about Batman at that point, the Batman lore or anything. I was just clawing my way back in after, was it 2012 of Avengers? So it was mm -hmm. all, all still sort of, I think, um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Batman Rises was, was the same year. Because I can remember watching, um, sorry, not Batman Rises, Dark Knight Rises, but I can remember uh, the Dark Knight coming out and me, me not liking it because because of the ending with all the phone stuff. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is just sick. like the, the phone ending turned me off it. But then I wasn't that bothered. It was just a film that I'd heard was really good. I waited until my dad had it on Blu-ray. So for me to find out that uh, Natalia Al, uh, Al Ghul was the child that escaped and Bane was a protect, protector. I'm sure to people in the comics, like it was maybe 
maybe forecast or obvious, but I thought it was like yeah. a really sophisticated superhero film. I know the whole thing about having like 40,000 police officers taking every single one of them off the street, it's silly. But you know what? The film has to happen. <laughs> the, like if you were to go through all the films and correct the tweaks, films are like 10, 15 minutes long in every single instance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that one too. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a high point. I always go back to the first one, but you know, I can't tell if that's because the movie's great. I'm talking about the 1981 one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have, I did actually watch it recently. It does like hold up. I love Michael Keaton um, in both roles of, of Bruce Wayne and Batman. And, and uh, but, but part of me thinks that like, I can't separate myself from the movie because I, it came out when I was like 11 or 12 years old. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's re it really is the first, other than the, the Christopher Reeve Superman, Superman movies, it's the first, and, and even those, I don't, I mean, they were, they were far too old for me to remember ever seeing in the theater. I'm sure I didn't. I mean, I don't think, Oh, the no, first one no came chance. out in 78, I think. So, I mean, no. Really? I, yeah, I, I don't think I, I couldn't have seen it. But um, the I'm back... The out for Richard Donner as well. Yeah, yeah. He died recently, um, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, sad. Um, anyway, so this is the one that I remember. For, that's probably the first superhero text I consumed, at least knowingly. Yeah, 100%. Um, I can remember it being a 12 here. And I think I, th I wasn't old enough. And my dad went to see it before the summer holiday started. And I was speaking to him about it the other day. And he said, I was absolutely devastated that he'd been without me. Like, oh. like as a child, like I was like, because it, it was one of those things that just consumed the playground or for like that whole summer or period, like everything was just Batman. All the toys yeah. were Batman, all the postcards were Batman, all the posters in the bookshops, like re- and like they reissued in in little pocketbook sizes, like some of the classic like Batman stories um, from you know the sort of silver or golden age, and it's just Batman everywhere. And I was devastated, so he took me, and um, we're queuing up, and I was absolutely petrified that someone would find out that I wasn't that I wasn't twelve. I was quite tall <laughs> for my age, but I just it was almost like I, I can remember sort of not being able to enjoy it because I was so, I was a shy child anyway but I just yeah. felt any time any when they used to have ushers that were still like walking around I was just always waiting for them to go him <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was, it's definitely the first even superhero material that I can I can remember consuming but yeah, it's... Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's cool because it has like a campiness to it that's very cartoonish, which is yeah, yeah. something the modern ones just don't have. They're they're much darker and more serious. I mean, there are dark and serious elements to the original one, but it has like a comic booky yeah. um, aesthetic that the current ones don't really possess as much. I, I think the Batman as well puts a lot of weight onto what Kevin Smith said when he said. Why, why are we waiting for five years? Like the comics sustain um, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 Batman's uh, titles every single month. There's a demand there. If I was DC, I'd be bringing one out every single year. You've got your main line, you've got Gotham by Goss, Gaslight, you've got Ninja Batman, you've got, you have um, Year One Batman. You could do Gotham yeah. Central. Exactly. And all of these are just, you have your main line that's running every two, three years, and then you just slide in whatever ones you can possibly find or think of or write. I, I think the, the only hesitancy I have for that is finding um, directorial talent to fulfill that sort of schedule. Uh, I do think you have, a, you really pinpointed like the pitfall of, of having like an integrated, like, like the Kevin Smith model, because I mean, Star Wars was definitely definitely attempting something like that during the the new trilogy because you remember you had the first, the three films but it, on the off years you had like Rogue One you had the the uh, solo movie to the extent that project did not succeed it was because of all the difficulties they had in behind and getting lining up and keeping behind the screen talent um, so that that I think really is the pitfall I liked all of those movies. But yeah. to the extent that one could say they were unsuccessful, like the project, that, that six-year project was unsuccessful because of that. Do you know what? I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And there seems to be not a silver bullet, but a poisoned arrow with, when you look at the Netflix 
Netflix stuff that once Iron Fist failed, the whole thing collapsed in on in on itself, and people were like, oh, I don't have time for that now. What happened with Solo? Who was it? The guys that uh, produced Into the Spider Verse, Lord and Miller, and um, they were brought in. Now, why do you bring someone in, people in that are encourage improvising, and they're not going to stick to the script, and they're just going to let people just go? Why bring them in when you know that that's what they do? When you mm-hmm. want someone to come in, be performative, stick to the script, get get the day to day. I mean, you're almost like a manager as opposed to a director. Um, right. There's like no nuance to it. So when they were sacked and they had to redo almost the film in its entirety and Ron Howard came in. Now, with box office, this is only my interpretation anyway. I think that while we can misjudge the excitement for something in our bubble, in our film, comics, TV bubble, that it's not extrapolated out to the general population. What I do think is important about that bubble is it's the tinder by which fires start. If there's a big excitement, and we're not just talking about a small group of people, you're talking about millions of people worldwide, that when that excitement starts with that and they start talking to people and, and they put the word out there, look at how films like Fan Stick failed. There's no reason for that having to have failed. Like with Solo, there's no reason for that having to to have failed. But because there was zero buzz at the source, it didn't make its way out anywhere near, anywhere past that. And also the people like with Love and Thunder, the the, the Thor trailer that scooped up 200 million um, views in the first 24 hours, that's not um, Rita that's picking up a fucking shopping once a week, or that's not, you know, your mum, your dad, your uncle, that's us. That's us yeah, doing that. Watch it 10 times. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the source of it. So if Love and Thunder can get 200 million views for, for a teaser trailer, or, or if you, or like whatever the numbers were for Endgame, Infinity War, and No Way Home, I think it's an indi- indicator. Like if you look at the polls that YouTube YouTubers do live, Within the first 100 votes, you've got a pretty good representation of how that poll is going to finish with 100,000 votes or 10,000 votes. Yep. And I think what happened with Solo, akin to Iron Fist, in their culture, there's there's always default to I know better. Knowing better makes you look smart and everybody likes to be smart. So when they were going, this is doomed, no one's going to like it, it's going to suck because I know better, because I know about this and I'm letting everybody know because I want you to know that I knew this before it happened. It pours water on that spark before it's even happened. There's an interesting discussion at the moment with how Warner Brothers have been bought by DC and they're talking about making um, vertical hierarchies and creating different studios for different branches. I think that's all well and good, but really the only one that that can be effective with Warner Brothers is DC. You're not going to have that with Harry Potter, and then you're not going to have it with um, June, like because they're just they're just films that are in production at any one time. There's no there's no linear responsibility to be had. Zaslov was talking the the guy that owns Discovery was talking a good game about you know having somebody in there to do this that and the other. And, you know, to take creative responsibility, like to be more more of a hands-on project. Basically what he was describing was we want a Kevin Feige. What people don't understand is like he had 14 Marvel films under his belt before he even started at Marvel Studios. And I think four, did I say 13, 14? Add another one for Man Thing, which was direct-to-video. He was involved in all the X-Men films as a producer, Daredevil films, Ghost Rider films, in the X-Men film, Spider-Man. So, you not only have somebody that saw 14 times how not to do it, but you have somebody that just loves it as well. Surely this has been the obvious thing that every studio has wanted to do since they got anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, get right. a Kevin Feige. Isn't that the, uh, what's what's the expression? What does the MO stand for? Otis operandi. Exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah isn't, hasn't that always been the case? Yeah. Because like, you're asking somebody that's basically a suit, a businessman, to know and care about the individual IP. And let's not forget 
that was Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People forget that. true, that. yeah. And that didn't go well. And he was someone that loved the material and he had the producer knowledge. And he did the first four films. Like people, people forget that he actually wrote Wonder Woman. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So he did like that, that initial tetralogy and then the Justice League film. And even then, like, is there a more divisive series of films? Sure. I don't know. Probably, Probably a Serbian film. <laughs> 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 Well, I was all right when he raped his son, but when it was the newborn baby, ooh. <laughs> oh god, it was just oh. the problem is like those images are burnt into your mind, despite the fact I've never seen it in my mind. Because of just like re what I did dare do, I didn't dare watch it, but I dared read this full synopsis of the film. Oh god, I've I've not done that either. Yeah, I did that on IMDb. Do you know when they've got different people doing it and they're just describing it scene by scene? Oh. <laughs> and I, I just like I, I had to, I had to do you like in a horror film where you where you where you're kind of looking, but you don't you're not really looking. Like, Hell you, yeah. you, you're squinting or you're just looking through cracks in your fingers. So just in case I was I was like that reading. And I'll tell you something, I've not felt that that unsettled by reading something since uh, we went to Euro Disney. Um, as a sixth form geography field trip. And I was a very squeamish, very shy child who used to actually faint a lot as well. Not, not an obscene amount, but like once or twice a year. And, um, and I, uh, <laughs> I was reading in one of the lab mags of the 90s, I can't remember what it was now, about this dude that snapped his dick in a girl's ass. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, like he tried to force it in dry and, and it just bent and and like thrusted and snapped it and like I was reading it and as I was going reading it I was starting to feel myself go lightheaded and I was like man up you fucking pussy come on you can fucking read this it's just a story it's just a story and I get to the bit where he actually snaps it I can feel all the blood rush out on my head and then I faint on my friend that's sitting next to me and he thought I was fucking about so he pushes me off me and because I fainted and like this big jolt I've started fitting <laughs> so I've started shaking really hard and he's like what the fuck thank you he still thought I was pissing about because could you imagine the embarrassment if he alerted one of the uh, teaching staff <laughs> so then like my eyes rolled back back to where they should be and he was like what the fuck was that I, was like, I don't know. Did, what, did I faint? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I felt as queasy. Like, like that's that's the phrase. It was dick snappingly repulsive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just, I just see that whole takeover as just such a strange thing. I mean, yeah. AT&T couldn't get rid of it quick enough, could they? Like, they've tried, they've tried, they've tried. And here's a question, Tim. I think, good question, a thought. When you look at the films, the tentpole films, it seems that barely any of them are breaking even. When you times the, the box office by three to mm -hmm. breaking even, I don't understand how these studios are surviving. Any of them. It's I weird, it's like... Yeah, it inverts the model of like the loss leader, you know, it's like oftentimes like a studio or um, a book will, or a publisher, you know, will like, will pr produce these like high, highly regarded, but like low audience things, or, you know, like a TV, like a TV network, like a Netflix or a whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple TV, right? Like a loss leader, everybody knows what that is, but it's like that, the idea there is to, <laughs> is to like, is to make that back when you produce these like just massive like productions and it's like yeah. inverting that entire model like your justice league should not be your loss leader you know no that's not that's at all it should be impossible like it should be legitimately impossible for a film like that to, to not make money and but, well it should when you spend 300 million dollars on it i mean that's the reason why it didn't make any fucking money like, let's yeah. be clear even like endgame we've said in the past that it's it, its final gross was you know before merchandise syndication all that kind of thing the final box office was 2.8 but the profit on that was 1.1 and that's before you take out robert downey jr's 20 percent of rear end as well and whatever yeah. other deals they had 
I bet they didn't even make a billion dollars off that on from the raw box office. Like, so to think how much they would, how much they anticipated Justice League making. I mean, sure, like people look at the Star Wars and they go, yeah, but they still made a billion dollars. Yeah, but they should have been making two. Do you know whether when when you see the number about like production costs, like the budget to make a movie, does that include the advertising budget? Do you know? No, no, it doesn't. That's marketing. And marketing for most blockbusters is equal to the production yeah. budget. So and that's going to be a huge, huge part of the pie. Yeah, exactly. So if you think of something making, if it made 900 million, not 900, let's say make it easy, something like um, Spider-Man Homecoming. It didn't really make any money, not that much. Because it cost, say, say it cost 150, um, stick mark 200 million marketing, that takes up to 350. And then you have your, your cinemas keep a third of it. And that mm -hmm. film didn't make a billion. Like it only just scrapes it. And that's why Sony wisely said that if you don't, if you don't hit a billion in the first two films and you don't get the third, which would have been crazy because, I mean, did you watch Morbius? Yeah, I did. Because that's what happens when, you're left, when they're left to their own devices. I mean, what did you think of it? I thought it was fine. I liked, I actually liked the movie best before he, before he becomes Morbius. Like I liked yeah, the yeah. first 30 minutes the best. I liked yeah. it. I don't know. It's sort of just like, to me, it's just like a throwaway, kind of like the Venom movies are. Entertaining, but I'd never think about, I didn't think about it once I left the theater. Well, I think with Venom, I would go beyond that. And I would say that they're bad films that make no, no sense. Scene by scene, motivations make no sense. There are so many things whereby cartoon log logic, and it's not the case we were talking about before with, oh, well, yeah, but we need the film to happen. You're breaking into a lab with one of, with a devastatingly um, precious material, and you can just walk in with no cameras or security. Right. Venom Two, it's as bad, but it's funny in places. I don't know why they made it like a, a, a gay romance. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get, I don't understand why that that happens. But then with Morbius, at least, do you know what? The first 15 minutes I sat there and I went to the last show and it was about half 10 at night. I just went, fuck it, I'm going to cinema. Oh, let's go and watch Morbius. I thought, when it's in the cave and all that, I'm like, shit, this is, this is good. It looks great. I like the way that um, it seems founded, at least with a foot in the real world. I quite liked it. I thought it, I thought it, looked, I thought it looked great and the horror elements were really well done. I thought Jared Leto was good in it. Uh, Matt Smith was fantastic in it. I really like Matt Smith. And who was the lady in it? Because she was sexy as... <laughs> I don't know who she is. I don't think I'd seen her before. No, me neither. But I'll tell you what, mate. I'll be seeing her plenty in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah, like I said, I liked it fine. I just got bored, like, after the transformation takes place. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really care about, like, the fight scenes for some reason. But, you know, honestly, that that's just me. I don't typically care about, like, the big action sequences, which is kind of a weird thing for someone who likes superhero movies to, yeah. to not really care too much about. But, now, personally, I love Jared Leto as an actor. Leto, I don't know how he pronounces it. Like, you know my thoughts on House, House of Gucci. So he's so entertaining, I think. He's a very, very good actor. So I like him, and I liked him in this. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I can't really justify why I thought I, I was like somewhat lukewarm about it. Because like I said, I did really like the first 30 minutes or so. Like a, it kind of just petered <laughs> out for me. I mean, here's the question. Like, is it, is, it the, is it the type of movie we would dedicate an entire show to? I don't think so. But, that's, but it is a show we would ded dedicate a segment to. And that means it's probably fine. You know, actually, that's exactly what it means to be fine. Like with the, the, the movies we're going to dedicate an entire show to are the ones that are exceptional or the ones that absolutely suck. Like those yeah. are the ones that really break down and this one's good, yeah. Hey, did you ever see Moon? Did you see that movie Moonfall? No, I couldn't do it, mate, I couldn't do it. Oh dude, I wanna get you, I, I, need, I need you to watch that and talk to me about Newton in that movie. Isn't it, isn't it um, a big spaceship? Yeah, basically, and spoiler alert here for anybody who is like desperate <laughs> to see Moonfall, but like the moon is basically like an alien, like mega structure. Um, yeah, yeah. and it gets pulled like it gets off its like um orbit and gets start starting to get pulled into the into the earth and like all sorts of like crazy shit happens on the earth like tsunamis and like just shaking like just launched off the surface like sucked into the moon it's it's uh 
to me, it looked, it, I, it, I found it very plausible, but then again, I'm, I'm just a lawyer. <laughs> but like, the cars were getting sucked up, but the people weren't. Wait, what now? The cars were getting sucked up, weren't they? Yeah, yep. But then the people weren't, or were they? They were, they were. The main people, or just the main people, people. Or not. The main people always found a way to like not get sucked up, of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Like getting like j- like going into a cave, so they didn't get like or whatever. A cage. Or a, a cave. Cave. Uh, cave. Right, and then they stuck to the ceiling. Yeah, something like that. Do you know what I've always wanted to? I've always wanted to have cave sex. Like if you think about <laughs> it, like the echoes plus the humidity would make it a whole new experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and then imagine and i think it's all right to say this after coda so you know films did it so it's fine cave sex with the death <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like your whole being would be in resonance <laughs> yeah. oh, it's funny you said about the not being that um bothered or interested about um like the fight scenes in superhero films. I I think I'm I think I've had enough of superhero comics, Tim. I just don't feel really I've been yeah. reading, I've been I mean, we were talking about Berlin before we came on, but which is just it's it's a lot almost in some way a lost classic. Book one focuses on um obviously Berlin um in the months and immediate years before the breakout of world war ii doesn't it mm-hmm. and it's it's just so perfectly written like i said it's like a it's a lost classic in some ways this should be up there with mouse yeah and, and things of that or like slaughterhouse five and things like that so when i go back and i think well i'm going to catch up with some of these marvel trades it started with me just not fucking care. I got to the Hellfire Gala in X Men. We've talked about it ad nauseum, so let's not let's not go. Is, is it perbatim or verbatim? What's Take the it. expression? Is it perbatim or verbatim? Verbatim. Okay, so I won't go verbatim with that. But I've read some Doctor Strange, and people have said, "Yeah, Wade's run's really good." I'm like, okay, there's a bad guy, and then they have a fight at the end. Oh God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I started reading Slot's fantastic book. Okay, there's character development, it's about the family, and then there's a bad guy and they have a fight at the end, which they win. Okay, okay, okay. I can sort of of deal with that. I just, like, I I don't know, like, I can't... It just feels like an exhaustive string of solving problems with fists. I'm going to pick up... um, I will pick up... A, a immortal Hulk because that is something that's at least nuanced. I just feel exhausted with how predictable everything is in, in superhero comics and started reading Bone as well. I'm on the second act of Bone and I can't put that down. I read, uh-huh. oh my God, I read Gideon Falls recently. It, I, I won't go into too much detail because you have to get off soon, don't you? Do you have to get, get off soon? Uh, what time is it? Let's see. I got like, let's do like 15, 15 more. Okay, so Gideon Falls, I thought I knew what Jeff Lemire is. I I knew that he was my favourite. I knew that he was a very sort of dexterous, um, he has a high dexterity in his writing that he can do something like frog catchers, but he can also do sweet tooth and he can also do animal man and anything he seems to want to do. But this is just... It's so complex and the story is so twisted and under so much constant talk, but it's never hard to understand. It's just pure storytelling and Mm -hmm. this different story arcs going on and there's mystery and deception and intrigue and, and, and it's just truly gripping. And I thought even in films and TV, when someone attempts this level of, um, entwinement and complexity to, it just almost always ends up being exposition heavy or it ends up being completely uh, un-understandable not that Sorrentino's art is I, I said on Twitter it's not just the the decoration or the accuracy it's almost philosophically perfect that 
you could strip it of words and the way that it makes your eyes move from one page to the next to one panel to the next and the, the way that it depicts the different emotional states the different it's kind of like watching a 70s horror film where different lighting means different things. And he makes a, a barn, a, a fucking barn, a, a, a terrifying villain. It's, it's just absolutely exceptional. So when you're reading that, and then you go back to Commoner Garden Marvel trades, I mean, I couldn't put that down. It's so easy. To, it got to the point where after the first couple of nights, I, I hit, I think, um, maybe like issue eight after reading the first couple on the first night where I was tired. And then I, I blitzed through and I went, well, we've got to stop reading. Like I've got, I've had today's enjoyment out of it. Like let's let's have some enjoyment for the next couple of days. And then read four issues on both of, both the succeeding days. But I could, I could have read that start to finish. But yeah, I'm just... I'm just very, I was all full of praise for Marvel when um, C.B. Sobolski started and Rosenberg's Punisher was great. We had, um, I know Kate's was on Venom, but I've still not started that, but I'm, I'm put off with it knowing that like the whole fucking what, what null, whatever null was. Um, yeah. What was that? What was that called? Um. King and oh, Black. King and Black. King and Black. Yeah. I'm just like I've not even got up to maximum carnage yet. So do you know what? I'm just or absolute carnage or whatever the fuck that one was called. Like it just puts me off having to. The X Men stuff was fine when I got to X of Swords because there was still excitement to it. But then yep. I think X of Swords was the first one where I went, oh, oh, yeah, right, okay. And then I've read up to the Gala and. I think I'm sort of where Joe was a couple of years ago, that I, I think I'll probably just start reading the DC Black Label stuff, you know, like mm. the running duns, and not, and maybe I'll, I'll come back to Marvel, maybe, maybe I won't, but. So I have thoughts on this. Actually, bringing up Jeff Lemire is a really, um, really good way to, to sort of motivate this conversation, because one of the things about Lemire, I mean, I, we're both, we're of the same mind that his, like, obviously his like independent like self even self especially self-drawn material is 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 so great he truly is like one of the all-timers when it comes to his independent stuff and then other than animal man um people one of the critiques that people that people levy against jeff lemire is like well he just can't write the superhero comic like the superhero his superhero stuff is a is like comparatively a failure now setting aside whether that's true let's just assume for the sake of argument that it is true the, the conclusion people draw from that is that Lemire, Lemire has weaknesses. Well, what if we just, re, what, the, the actual response to that is to, re, to reframe it and to say, it's not Lemire's problem. It's a superhero genre's problem. You can't accommodate his genius in, the, in like the true, like surprise, just like the sheer surprise of the mm -hmm. story. And like a lot of like, the, of, of, of the creators we know as independent creators. Um, that that it does it's not it's not a it's not their problem it's actually a, a superhero problem because exactly what you say it's like always like tropes are fine and tropes can be used and inverted but you mm -hmm. always know like at the end of the day there's gonna be some conflict that ends in a fight with some villain and that yeah. no matter what happens it there's the stakes just you can't buy the stakes because they're always they can always be reversed and always will be. I would I would add to that that. He left Marvel because of that, because he, he wanted to concentrate. Like he, he actually did. Um, oh, what's it called? The one where they're they're trapped in a, like a pocket universe. Black Hammer. He wrote that prior to being picked up by DC, um, and sort of the sort of sweet tooth Essex County sort of time because he never thought he'd get to do superheroes. And I'm speaking to Alex Patnadel, he said there's two types of writers in this country, in, in the UK. They're the ones that always, they, they go to 2000 AD because they see it's an opportunity to write for the big two, DC or Marvel. Or they're the ones that realise that they can't make money for writing for uh, 2000 AD, so they begrudgingly go to DC and Marvel. And I think that's a difference, in essence, with Frank Miller and Alan Moore. 
Um, and also uh, Warren Ellis as well was one that protested about writing them, but um, a lot of the people said that, you know, we, we do think he protests a little too much. I would say the way that Lemire wrote for the superheroes, not to undo your point of let's just say, but um, he did Green Arrow and he said yeah. that was when he forged his uh, relationship with Sorrentino because he saw the work he was doing on iVampire and yeah. said, I want to pull him across. Green Arrow is an absolute shit show. So he pushed her up Sorrentino and he said, let me do it. He did a run on that. I've not read it, but it's supposed to be really, really good. Um, from that, um, he went to, I can't remember what else he did. He did it um, DC, but whatever. He went to Marvel. Now, his Thanos was about Thanos uh, getting God cancer. And absolutely, without question, is far superior to anything that Donny Cates did afterwards with the character. That whole run about Thanos dying was more invoked, more emotive um, than, than typical superheroes, because there was something else. He was fighting God cancer. With... Old Man Logan, this is when he came to my attention. That title should have been dog shit. That it had absolutely no right to be as good as it did. Taking Old Man Logan, putting him in a new universe, and we've seen how, even with Britain, there was a sort of you know call to adventure, journey of discovery, hero's journey, that sort of trophy thing. What Lemire did was he thought, right, what does Logan want to do? He's got a list of people that illed him in the future, in the Old Man Logan universe, finding them one by one and executing them. And the whole thing is about, is he now causing more problems? And how does, and is this actually going to give him um, any satiety, any fulfillment once he's finished it? And that was more about that, that man against himself battle. Is revenge going to lead to fulfillment so that was completely different the x-men i don't know what went wrong with that but it was not good but I, from speaking to from when we spoke to Columban, that was heavier editorial choices and pressure and direction that scuppered that era of x-men despite the fact that that was was one of the best x-men runs of of read his moon knight which is now the basis of a disney plus story which was about the first time where the disassociative identity disorder was introduced. So again, it wasn't about a, a villain, it was about a man battling with himself psychologically. So I would say to anybody that says that, that, that Jeff Lemire can't write superheroes, that's because he chooses not to. And I don't yeah. mean that in taking the work, I mean, when he writes them, he chooses not to write superheroes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing with Animal Man, which is regarded as the best New 52 title, or at least among the top. Really good, really, really good. Um, <clears throat> and another response to like, Jeff Lemire can't write superhero comics is just to point out that Black Hammer is a superhero comic that he completely like fleshed out the universe. He is the auteur of that. And it is one of the finest um, so complete good. universes currently in comics. And it is a superhero yeah. comic, just not yeah. a DC or Marvel one. So yeah, okay. I mean, I'm glad we worked that out, but that is also just to say like, yeah, I mean, there are limits to the Marvel and DC, you know, universes that are, that can get kind of tiring. So other than Bone, let's see, you're doing Bone, Berlin, um, Anything else you you have read since we uh, last recorded that you liked? I, I, I'll just say I've not read barely any comics, which I'm not happy about because I was depressed. So, but no, yeah. Same as me. It's funny. It's the first thing that goes out the window that I, I don't really... I, I've had depressed days where I'll stay in bed and while I'm under the covers and I've got my tablet next to me, I'll watch whole, a whole series and I don't feel sad when I'm in the bed, but the thought of getting out of it and putting a foot on the floor just feels like the most... Even when I've ordered food from Deliveroo or like Uber Eats, I dread the door ringing because I'll have to get, I'll have to actually stand up. It's funny this week that I've, I've noticed now, and again, I don't want to jump the gun, like it's small steps. It's the first week of me um, addressing my, my self-care and, and whatnot, but I'm just, I'm just very happy that I'm able to say it. I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but like the first thing that came back was reading immediately mm -hmm. the first thing that was the thing and like whipping through Gid I was reading it Gideon Falls and I was going I'm so grateful that I'm able to do this now totally totally yeah it's interesting like reading 
you know, not just comics. I mean, I read a lot of prose too, you know, and um, is my absolute like first love, you know, it's like, mm. my, it's like so ingrained. And it's also the first thing to go when I'm feeling like anxious mm. or depressed. You know, it's like, I, you think like, oh, do the thing you love to like make yourself happy, but it's like impossible. Yeah. And it's not, there's no conscious thought behind it. It's just, it's just like that part of your brain's blocked. Yep. Yep. You can't, yeah. It's like, you can't, you literally can't read it. It's like, you can read the words, mm. but you're just not, you cannot process like what's happening. Yeah. And it's also yeah. takes a kind of like a quietness of mind that I simply at those points are in, am incapable of. Whereas I think in the last two or three weeks, I've managed to get to season 12 of Family Guy from a, from a depressed ace. Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back to watching. I don't even watch TV when I'm depressed either. It's like, I just, I just clean the house basically. But yeah, I mean, even like, so I'm, I'm likewise feeling better. So I've gotten back to reading. I'm watching television now. Now I was sick last week with like a stomach thing. So I got to watch a lot of TV and I was like, you know what? Being sick's not that bad. It's definitely, I'd rather be sick than depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to explain to my mother whose house I'm in while mine was being prepared and, 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 and finished off is that I was like, I just want a few days off, like with just me. And she's like, you spend half your fucking life in bed. And I'm like, what you can't reconcile is they're just wasted hollow days with no enjoyment. Like that's not a that's not a day off. That's that's just a different type of day on. But it, instead of being productive, I'm just in a complete malaise. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. And the, I, I sort of differ from you a little bit this way. But it's the quality of the stuff that I watch. Like I won't watch stuff that I'll legitimately enjoy because I feel like I'm wasting it. So I'll just stick any old shit on and just leave it on play. Sleep through whole episodes and then just pick it up and not care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Oh, I'll tell you something that I watched last night that is fantastic. It's got Imogen Poots in it and Josh Brolin, and it is called to do Outer Range. It's really good. And I don't want to, it's on Amazon, and it's okay. uh, from Amazon Studios, and it's Cowboy Sci-Fi. It's, oh, hell yeah. It's it's so good, but like it's modern day sort of rancher. Oh, oh shit, dude! I think I saw a trailer for that. Is that that's out now? It's so good. Oh, it's I gotta watch so that. It's so good. It's so good. Is it, this, it, do they drop whole seasons, or is it like one episode at a time? Well, there's there's four available at the moment. There's four. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really really good because what it does is like the early Walking Dead or like with um, Outcast or something like that, whereby it concentrates on the dramatic, the relationships, fully forming um, uh, the characters. Oh, and it's got um, it's got t- Tom Pelham, or is it, or what, however you pronounce his name, who was Ward, um, oh, not Ward Mitchell, Meacham from the Iron Fist series. Okay. The brother out of the out of the brother and sister. He's a fantastic actor. He also appeared in Ozark in the recent series. I love him as an actor. He he plays. I just feel like in all of those, he he plays the put upon, um, almost like bystander in his own life so so well. The fatally flawed individual that means well but is always in a state of crisis because of his own actions. Just yeah. really really strong acting, and with that, like with Walking Dead, it was. Um, it was the zombies that is like the baubles on the tree. With this, it's it's that sci-fi edge, that that, mm-hmm. that sci-fi event that embellishes what's already there with the dramatic. It really, I, I, I've only watched the first first two episodes. I watched the second one this morning, but so far so good. Really, really. Oh enjoying yeah, it. I'm gonna watch that. I was I, like I said, I saw the trailer for it um, a few times when I was in the movie theater. And there was they had a like pre-movie trailer for the show and. Oh, really? uh, I, was very, I was very intrigued with it. Oh, on streaming, um, before we close, I think I'm cancelling my Netflix. Because really? I'm, yeah, I'm, I just don't... They keep putting the price up. And what pisses me off now is Disney Plus is quality of content and there's always some, something for me to watch. Amazon Prime, great production quality. They really... Um, 
there's stuff that they have on there is worth watching. And I'm starting to watch Apple TV as well. I did a trial and then for um, uh, Ted Lasso and with, uh, but there's a couple of other things that I'm really interested in watching. The one with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway um, about the, the text, the unicorn tech startup that, that looks really, really good. And it just seems like there is, out of those three, there is enough quality content for me to watch. And I'm sick of waiting for Netflix to bring me another season of Russian Doll or another season of um, Stranger Things. So as soon as Stranger Things is done, Ozark as well, I'm out. But it's not a value for money thing. It's it's that I just feel insulted that they, they, they spend all this money but they don't commit to quality. It's just content, 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 content. And most of it's bullshit. Like I, I feel personally attacked by how they approach their streaming service. Like it really angers me. And also with the way that like with Red Notice, no studio, no Hollywood studio would take that because it was too expensive, but yet they, they spend 200 million on it and they don't get any more people. And can't, and they've concentrated on new new subscribers so much that they don't respect the existing ones. There's nothing, there is nothing for customer retention. And we've seen that in the last quarter, I don't know if you noticed, that they they lost, they were predicted two and a half million additional subscribers. They lost 200,000. The prediction for the next quarter is they're going to lose 2.5 million and they lost over 30% of their uh, market, of their, um, their stocks and shares value in two days this week. It dropped yeah. by... And the foot on one day they lost something like fifty-six billion dollars off the off the share price total, and then the next day it was an even more dramatic um, dramatic fall because a lot of the Wall Street trainers, the big investors, just completely stripped all their um stripped all of their uh, um, their money out out of out of the company um, through the shares, and then wow. and it it it. it, it, it and also, it's supposed to have been hideously overvalued in the first place when it was floated. But just the whole way that it sets up, it angers me now. And I can't... I will always go to Disney Plus to see if there's something on to watch, probably first and foremost now. And then I'll go on Amazon Prime if there's something that I've heard about. And I've only just got Apple TV, but there was three or four series that I really, oh, really sure. want to watch. There's, They're like they, the new they, HBO. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. And I don't yeah. have a... And then I've got my dad's Sky Go, which is like HBO. So I've got all the quality content on there. And Netflix is something that I only know that I've got because my mum watches it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. Said, and I said to her, like, I'm going to get rid of Netflix. Um, and she, uh, I said, like, how often do you watch it? Like, legitimately. She goes, it's just something I have on in the background. I said, well, it, it's the whole thing as well that, like, I pay almost £20 a month to have five memberships. And now they're telling me they, those, I'm paying for the extras for under in five different houses, or they will be when I move into my house. And now you're telling me that I have to pay three pounds extra for each of those because yeah. we're not in the same household. I'm not um, password sharing. I have paid for the different for the additional profiles. And now you're telling me I have to pay an additional three pounds each for all of them. Fuck that, mate. Fuck that. HBO have got a good model that works. Everybody else has a good model that works and the way that they keep keep up with it. It's just, I don't know, I, it, it, it does leave a bad taste in my mouth. It, I just don't like the way that they operate. I, I, you know, I will say that it's the streaming service that I reach for last, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Always. I mean, with, almost without exception, I think. Like, there's nothing, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will, like, I'm way more likely to reach for, like, Prime or Apple TV or yeah. uh, Disney Plus, certainly, and HBO, of course. Like, I have those four. I. I don't even, you know, honestly, I just use my sister's account. Like if I was paying for Netflix, I, I may not, I just might drop it as well. I might've dropped it as well. I mean, the only thing I do reach for there is like, there's a couple of shows, like they, they have a lot of like kids material that mm. people, like, give my children, but if it was just me, I, there's nothing on there. I, I really watch like, yeah. there's not, in other words, like there's nothing that I would watch on there that is not included in some other service. And those other services are much, much more like, they're even first of all they're easier to navigate they're yes. it's easier to find things in these other services yes. it's like the, the content to library ratio, like the quality content to library ratio is so much yep. higher in those services yep. than netflix 
Yeah. What makes what annoys me on Netflix as well is their algorithm pushes you toward content it thinks you like, and then that's the only stuff you see. So you only see a small percentage of what's available anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just I just find the whole thing incredibly frustrating. They they also over they poached a lot of executives from other services so that um, I can't remember who the guy's name is, so they could get. So they basically overpaid and then paid the comp- compensation for poaching a, an executive just because he had links to Snyder. Who they, I mean, how many of these guys have they given like 200 million deals to to just secure yeah. them? Like Snyder, Miller World. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And they, they're stripping the animation as well. Like Bone oh. was supposed to be getting an animated series and that's been no, complete. Sure. Yeah, but that's been cancelled. All the new animation stuff's been cancelled. They're not addressing at the source what the problems are with their service. What they're doing is saying, carry on regardless, strip content, charge more. No, no. You fucked this up from the way you've approached this, not from the way that I've been paying for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we call it a day? Let's do it. Okay, well... uh, I like that, unrehearsed, unscripted, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunate. (laughs) But no, it's just been been great catching up with you, Tim. And um, yeah, yeah, for everybody that's stuck around, thank you very much for joining us. Remember, subscribe, follow, toodle-dee, toodle-dee-dum, whatever you want to do, follow us, I'd like it, give us a rating, whatever you want to. Yes, goodbye, listeners. It's uh, nice to be back. We'll, uh, We'll be talking to you soon. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye from me as well. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure with you joining us today. So it leaves me one thing to say. We have been, and this is the end. Bravo. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. Good stuff.